I'm Jake Watson, and this is the Saints Unscripted podcast, where we have conversations about faith crisis, topics that may be triggering about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the Gospel, church history, prophets, the Book of Mormon and the Bible, and so many other things. This is Season 1, Faith Crisis. He's reaching through and saying, no, right now, the way that you are, you are beautiful, you are wanted, you are valued. I want you right now, <laughs> the way that you are. And that's, that's the way the Savior is. Hey, everybody, we're back with another episode of the Saints Unscripted podcast. And we have a guest today, but I'm not going to tell you who it is. And I'm going to give you a few clues to see if you can figure it out. So this guest has been on the podcast before. He was actually on the first two episodes of the Saints Unscripted podcast. It may, it, it, and maybe some, some people out there that, that have been watching from the beginning know already he... His name starts with an L. That's just, I couldn't remember my next clue. It's a great clue. <laughs> and now you just heard his voice. It's Leo. Leo's back on the podcast. Thanks thanks for coming on, Leo. It's good to be here, man. Ah. I wanted to uh, surprise you with some something cool here to start off. Oh, my gosh. Are those exactly the same as mine? I don't know. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Are they? Oh, my gosh. I love this. <laughs> I was wondering, you had that little uh, pouch thing uh, yeah. on the table while we were talking beforehand. Yeah, th these are specially bought for this this uh, no this moment. No way! <laughs> oh my gosh, they look exactly the same. You look great in them, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> is this, okay, does this throw you off your groove? Or what? Yeah, it does. I don't. What are we talking about today? Maybe maybe glasses. <laughs> this is amazing. Oh my gosh! Well. Gosh, this is great. Leo, Leo's back because we, we talked about faith crisis at the beginning. Now we're kind of, I think we're toward the end of this season. Uh, I'm not going to say that definitively because really everybody who's listening and watching, I thought we'd be done like six or seven episodes ago. Mm -hmm. And we just keep having amazing guests coming on and more topics to talk about. And apparently faith crisis is more complex than I thought it would be. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, uh, we're, unless we are talking about glasses, cause I'm a little thrown <laughs> off, but what, what, what's kind of the, what's we kind are, of the, we'll the talk about today. something other than glasses, but it's, it's still fun to, to come here and I just always appreciate all the colored glasses, and I think most people do that watch. So. Oh, thanks. Yeah. 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 It, it seemed like they didn't care for it at the beginning. They, they, some people made comments. It's and I think it's people. grown. I think they yeah. love it. Right? You love it. Everyone loves yeah. it. Actually, I think these might be a little small, so I don't know how well they'll, I'll keep them. But Mine's, Mine actually squished my head a little bit. So by the end of the day. They actually might be the exact same brand. Let's oh see. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, look. I think they are, dude. What the... They have like a little, I didn't, I didn't pick these because I knew, I just picked like you the You literally got the exact, <laughs> these were pretty cheap. I think these were like six bucks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I shopped around on Amazon to find no them. No way. Oh my But they gosh. look like the exact same. It I think be, they are. They've got the little uh, yeah, yeah. silver. Oh my gosh. The little groove here too. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed okay. that. Okay. Well, Good. awesome. So. So we're matching today. 
<laughs> or kind of wearing the blue too. Blue too. Wow, it's meant to be. Man, this is uh, this is already great. Hopefully, you're still sticking around because we're going to talk about more than just glasses. Yeah, and I think we want to start off with a with Pinewood an, Derby. Yes, and an analogy or like yeah, like an experience that I had that probably many of us have had. Some of the sisters watching probably, you know, even participated because I think that some uh, scouts, uh, Cub Scout groups allowed some of the girls to participate, which is great. So uh, Pinewood Derby, right? So growing up, you always want to win the Pinewood Derby. It's like this dream come true for a kid. And of course, you have to depend on your dad or someone else in the war to help you. And so uh, my dad and I, we bought a couple kits just in case one of them fails. But the first kit, we kind of designed on paper, this amazing indie car design, like had like the little like, you know, front like axle and like um, had uh, like a spoiler and all these really cool things that he talked to me, talked to me about like um, aerodynamic design and he's kind of a scientific guy. So I trusted him like, yeah, this is going to be really fast. You know, <laughs> it's like, gonna be, I'm going to win every single race. <laughs> so we went and this, this amazing looking car, which I was so proud of, it didn't win a single race. It was like losing terribly every race. But luckily my back pocket, um, I brought this car that I kind of made on the side just in case my first car broke or whatever. Was I your dad crushed? I mean, he's, I don't I don't, I need to ask him if he remember. <laughs> I don't think he even remembers probably, but because it was so long ago, but it was, um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he was like, man, my, I f probably felt embarrassed as a, this dad that's like supposed to like be this genius of designer. <laughs> I love you, dad. If you're, if you watch this, he probably doesn't, <laughs> he probably won't watch it. But, um, but yeah, so I brought this second car just in case the first car was, you know, blazing fast and like, you know, shot off the end of the the ramp and like broke against the wall because it was like so amazingly fast. That's what I was thinking was going to happen. But because it was so slow, I was like, well, I've got this other car that I designed. And this other car was like, you know, the block of wood that you have, it was like basically just cut down like an angle, like like a triangle, like a long triangle. And then kind of sanded the like, so the corners a little bit. So it was, you know, looked more like a car than just a a triangle block of wood <laughs> and I started racing it the way that I think it would work. Right. is like the, the pointy side down and it was doing okay. It was kind of coming, coming closer to winning. And so I was like, well, to heck with it. I'm just going to turn it around. So the butt is going to go down the hill instead of the front. And it started winning, <laughs> like beating everybody else, like, like blasting people. And I don't know what it was. Like if it's just like the heavier end was in the front and it was like pulling it down the hill Whatever the science is, I don't know. Butt but it was car. it was the butt car that won. <laughs> and I greatest did, comeback. But ever. I, it was a, it was a good comeback. But I but we talked about this before. Like it, I I did wasn't enough to win. So but I felt like a winner at the end because I was like, oh my simple design worked. And so so we want to talk about how that relates to this journey that we're on in in the church in life. Um, simple uh, works uh, really well. So, uh, yeah, so that's basically the introduction. So, and I, and I always, and we talked about this too before. And I think I, I, I hadn't asked, I had asked this to a guest is like, gosh, I, I wish I could go back to that simple faith, you know, and you talked about this and hopefully we can get into this is, is, you know, just get get rid of all of the other distractions and all of the pain and all of the the hard things to deal with with like you know anything right church history church 
policy doctrine, you know, everything, you know, everything under that other than, you know, just your relationship with Christ and your relationship with God. And and uh, so maybe we can talk a little bit about that. I, I think you had brought up something like simplicity beyond complexity, right? which doesn't make sense to me. So maybe you can help me understand <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and sort of about the Hafen's book, Faith is Not Blind, yes, and the three-stage model, and maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yes. So that's what we want to talk about, kind of finish off our, our journey together in this first season, right, is to talk about um, what we can look forward to if we're sitting in a place of complexity um, with our with our faith, like what, like, you know, our relationship with the church is strained or a family member's relationship with the church is strained, and so our relationships are strained. Um, we want to talk about uh, how to navigate from the beginning to the end and what does the end look like if there is an end. And um, we talked about this too, is like, there's no end right now for us. For you, you said, I'm still kind of on this journey, right? Yeah. It isn't, hasn't resolved itself. So there's still some question, there's still doubt. And that's okay. So we'll talk about that. So simplicity, um, uh, in my example of the Pinewood Derby car, uh, the simple design worked. It was surprising. It was even more surprising that the the rear of the car actually was the better way to win the races. And I think with the church, often we get in this state of of complexity when it comes to uh, doctrine, with policy, with our political views, with our social views, with um, church history. So we grow up in the church uh, or or a convert to the church, and the lessons, for example, with a, a new convert. They're simple, right? Uh, basics of the gospel. We talk about, you know, the word of wisdom. We talk about um, the nature of God, uh, repentance, baptism, the simple doctrines that Christ teaches in the in the in Third Nephi eleven. We we read this morning together. Um, so this very simple view of the gospel uh, is what Christ teaches and what our missionaries teach. And you know, the question sometimes becomes. Well, is that really all the information that someone needs to make a decision? Is it informed consent, for example, right? Are we, are we, are our kids that are getting baptized at eight? Do they have all of the knowledge that they need to make a informed, uh, mm. consensual decision, right? Or even getting your endowment at eighteen, eighteen year old uh, kid, yeah. you know, making covenants, eter making eternal serious. covenants, yeah. right? And so we have to think about, you know, this very simple. Uh, and experience with the church, with the gospel, with with our Savior, growing up in the church or becoming um, a new member of the church, and um, we have to be able to say, is it a good thing that Christ just says, "Believe in me, follow me"? Is that a good thing? Part of me wants to respond, be like, "But Jesus, that's not. <laughs> it's not there's enough. Too many other. There's too much stuff to deal with. That's not easy. Life that's is not, not that way. Yeah. <laughs> but Jesus, come on. Yeah, but <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> like I talk to my Savior sometimes in an informal way, and, and I think people should be able to do that if if it's helpful. Sometimes I'll talk to my kids, and we'll we'll talk about Jesus in an informal way, and it's nice to be able to talk to him and be like, "Hey, you know, I want to be able to have a simple." worship here. I want to be able to feel connected with you and and not have all of this darkness and confusion around me. But that's the reality. So we have what the Hafens talk about is this ideal versus the real. And so growing up in the church, our ideal, um, which is what we have like in the church, like everything is very idealistic. It's very pure, very 
amazing, beautiful. Uh, there's a lot of wonder in the church growing up or when we're, we're converted to the church later on in life. And that's also our reality. The ideal is the real. We're, we're like, the church really is perfect, but maybe some members aren't, right? We say that, or, or the doctrine is, is perfect, but, but maybe the possible the policies sometimes aren't. But it's know? close. It's so close, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so we have this very idealistic view and our reality is also right there with the ideal. But over time, there's this gap that's created. Sorry if I'm hitting the mic. There's this gap that's created uh, between the ideal and the real. Um, as we start to see things that maybe challenge this ideal uh, view, this worldview that we have that's very simple, that's very naive, very innocent. Like like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, that's the, the example that they give in the book, um, is that they have this very simple way of, of living in the garden where they don't have to deal with all this complexity, right? But once they enter the world um, in a fallen state, uh, there's complex things that they encounter. You know, death, uh, pain, suffering, hard work, you know, um, people disappointing each, you know, their kids disappointing them, <laughs> which happens. And so we have uh, this situation where we become, we enter this second stage, which is complexity beyond this simplicity, this, this stage of complexity where the, our ideal and the, re and the real no longer align. So that's a quick summary of the first two stages. Any thoughts or questions about that? I don't know if that'll this will bleed into the next stage, but you talked about when we, you know, this this uh, gap between ideal and real, right? Reality and what's what we see as ideal, and and then having that really, yeah, I think this is going to bleed into the third one because I'm trying to say when you told me that when you. Try, try to go to sacrament. If you can't go to sacrament meeting, if you can't worship in that way, or if you can't worship in another way, like create your own mm -hmm. worship, create your own space. Like, can you just pray or talk to God? Mm -hmm. Create that. Anyway, maybe God I'll let will you meet you where you're, where you're at, yeah. right? Wherever you are in your current stage, he loves you. Your savior is real. He loves you. And he will meet you where you're at. He is merciful. He is patient. He is kind. His arms are outstretched at all times, wanting you to connect with him. So however you can do that, um, and we can talk about a couple ways to do that. But but yes, we want to be able to close this gap that's created through the complexities of life. And it may not just be church history, you know, Joseph's plural marriage or the stone in the hat or the book of Abraham. Those things create complexity, right? Intellectual complexity. And they, they caused a lot of heartache and feelings like I needed to perform mental gymnastics to be able to, you know, manage all these, these complex ideas. But there could be complexity in other ways, like death in the family, um, you know, pr premature or untimely death, extreme suffering, uh, financial hardship, um, you know, health issues, all these things that create complexity. The world is designed um, with all of this in mind. You know, the, the Lord didn't design a world that was free of suffering. He knew that in advance he created this the conditions because he knew about this this like it's an eternal law, this law of suffering, where like we're going to have to go through some suffering to be able to become like the Savior. The Savior is not against suffering; he went through suffering willingly. So we're here to experience suffering. Uh, it's for a good purpose, for a divine purpose, um, and so we have to be able to manage this this gap that's created by all this suffering this complexity that we experience, all of these difficult questions, all of the mental health, all these things that we struggle with, 
this gap that we've that we've created where our reality is no longer ideal. Like this this reality sucks. <laughs> Life is so hard. Church history is so hard. All these accusations people are making, all these things that people are saying, this is the truth about Mormonism yeah. that we see. Um, How can the church be true? Is yeah. I mean, I've heard growing up, I know the church is true in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Simple. You know, just before complexity. Yeah. yeah. I know the church is true. And now it's like church can't be true, can it? With all this. And maybe <laughs> I mean, I've been thinking throughout today, like, okay, well, what's what what do I <laughs> is is my definition of true <laughs> different? Or am I adding true? I don't know. I'm I'm really I, I'm really trying to grapple with that. Like what does the word true mean? What does the word true mean? Or because I know when I was a kid, and I've, I've shared this before, when 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 I was younger, I'd ask my dad, I'm like, why are they saying that? Why why at testimony meeting are people saying I know the church is true? And my dad, I don't I don't know if he, I think he was like, what are you what are you asking me? What what do you mean? And I'd be like, well, because the church isn't true, Dad. The gospel is true, you know. And I remember thinking that as wow, a kid, a wise young kid. He was like, the church Jake. isn't true, Dad. The gospel is true. <laughs> it's just funny. I wonder if I caught him by surprise. Maybe, maybe I'll ask him what he thought of that when I asked him that. Huh, that's interesting. You already kind of understood that complexity from an early age, huh? That's interesting. Yeah. So yeah. So we have to be able to. The whole idea with the Hafen's model, um, which aligns with a lot of us that we're starting to find each other who have been through a faith crisis, you know, a dark night of the soul, and we end up. Find, making a way for the church to work for us, um, you know, re reconstructing our belief system is another way to say it. A lot there's people that are finding um, my my group, the Uplift Community of Faith, which is a great place you can be. Um, I'm with them. I'm not. It's not my group, but I'll say I'm with them. But there's there's a there's a way for us to be able to reconstruct our belief system or to reconcile some of these challenges, um, to reframe things and. Of course, critics of the church call that mental gymnastics, right? You're just, or you're just burying your, um, or you're shelving your doubts, right, on a shelf, and you don't, you just you sweep them under the rug and don't worry about them. But that's not the case. We're thinking of new ways of thinking about about history, about prophets, about revelation, um, and about life, about suffering. You know, new ways to frame these difficult concepts as complexity, and be able to live in more of a state of ambiguity or uncertainty become more comfortable with uncertainty. And if we can learn to practice these things, and I've been at this for, for about 10 years now, and it's been a long, difficult journey, but I'm here to say, to share my testimony, that it's possible to reach this, to close this gap, where now my my reality, or my the real, of what the church and in, in history and all these things is becoming closer to this ideal. Where I'm grateful, I'm excited about knowing about the the reality of Joseph Smith's life, right? His mortal condition, the challenges that he faced, you know, Kirtland Safety Society, the, the the failure there, for example, Mountain Meadow, uh, the Meadow, Mountain Meadows massacre, you know, the reality of that. Um, and I'm starting to say, well, I'm I'm grateful for this ideal, which is mortals trying to approach God um, and trying to decode his perfect um, encoding. He gives us. He's the encoder, perfect encoder. He sends us messages, sends us direction through prophets and apostles and other inspired people. And we have to learn how to decode those messages. We're imperfect decoders, 
but all this 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 process that we're going through and and it's a beautiful thing now um, I can see um, suffering and all the complexity that we face is a beautiful process um, I don't rejoice like sit there and rejoice it's difficult to do when someone I love is suffering right my, my kid comes to me and be like dad I my legs are sore. He, my, my, my oldest son, every night, dad, will you rub my legs? And I have empathy for this kid. My oldest is Jackson. I'll just say his name. I, I love Jackson. And he comes every night, dad, before bed, I need you to rub my legs. And, and I, I don't rejoice that moment because I know he's hurting, but, it, but a part of me is like, it's okay. You're experiencing something that I experienced. Um, I suffered in the same way. Growing pains are horrible. And I'm able to comfort him. So it brings us together. There's a reason for us to, for he needs me at night. And I feel like a needed dad. And in like manner, our heavenly father, our heavenly parents, our savior, they knew from the beginning that this world would be filled with difficulty, would be filled with suffering. The conditions are, were, were made in preparation. He doesn't force us to suffer, but he created this world in a, in a place, in a way where we would experience suffering. We experience complexity and it's for a divine purpose. And so even if we lose a loved one, we can rejoice in, not in the suffering they went through or the death and the loss. We have to, we have to grieve like normal humans. We're not going to just sweep it under the rug, but we can look at the, you know, what do we call it? Um, what's the word, the phrase that members use? Um, eternal perspective, right? We say, let's have an eternal perspective when someone close to us dies. I have an eternal perspective. That's basically just saying, I understand the purpose of this life. It's to gain a body. And it's just a small blip in this long journey that we're here on earth, just to, to be here and to experience suffering. And our Savior didn't shy away from suffering, right? And our Heavenly Father didn't shy away from it, sending His Son to suffer. They're not pro-suffering, but they're not anti-suffering either. They're, they see suffering as a tool, as a way for us to become better. Um, and I see that same thing. I try to alleviate or not to alleviate, to share the burden with my children when they suffer, when they struggle with things. I don't want to take it away completely. What would happen if my kid never suffered? What kind of kid would that, would he become? What, what kind of adult would he become? You know? We have this coddling or whatever people, people struggle with today. Young kids growing up, never having to work a day in their lives, never suffer at all. <laughs> they fail. Poor, bless them. <laughs> in life, right? Yeah. They live on a couch with, you know, with their parents. They've never experienced what it's like to struggle and go out and find a job or, you know, to work hard. And, and I'm not casting judgment on all these kids, but there is something about this where we have to embrace the reality of this complex world that we've been given, this 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 suffering that we've been given, and um, and it, we become better for it, so stronger, become like God. That's the that's the divine process that they've been they've given us. Leo, I, I think I can relate to that, uh, especially from the real and the ideal. And then you talked about suffering, and I remember we had read some scriptures <laughs> earlier, and. And I had never read that scripture that way before. I don't know how many times I read Third Nephi 11. And I think it's missionary. We read it a gajillion times. Look, Jesus came to the Americas, see? <laughs> we promise. <laughs> uh, anyway, and I don't mean to make light of that, but 
And, and he said, I, you know, it, I suffered the will of the father and see me saying it now. I'm like, oh yeah, I know that. But when I read it that, that time, just, you know, a half hour ago, it, it felt suffer the will of the father and it, and it kind of gave some uh, relevance and some uh, relatability to what you said. And, and, I, and, and as far as suffering and, and trying to reconcile the, the reality and the ideal I just, you know, like I, I've been sort of open. I know you know a lot, uh, sort of about mental health stuff, and mm-hmm. and uh, um, within the past year or so, having to confront that because you know maybe this ideal and real view of myself, right, or what life should be, or what you know, <laughs> what what type of suffering that. I'm okay with and what other type of suffering I'm not okay with or, or even just suffering that feels ambiguous. And I have, is it suffering? Am I suffering? Should I be suffering? Should I be feeling like I'm suffering? Mm-hmm. Is it really that bad of a thing? See, now I'm, I, I, this whole, it, it maybe, maybe as I'm trying to describe this, it's obvious that I haven't reconciled it yet. And like, I, I can't quite like I, a few episodes ago, if our listeners had heard that episode, I talked a little bit about self harm and, and, and within this last week, you know, of filming this episode, uh, I've, I've kind of opened up to more family members and I feel like just opening up has just brought me to this point of like, I really have no idea what's going on. I really feel like I have no grasp. Maybe I'm just having a bad week. <laughs> Maybe because because I just remember times like for some reason this image is coming to my mind where like the sunlight is not sun anymore. For some reason it feels dark and it feels claustrophobic, you know. And it's summertime and I love the summer. And and so. It, it, <laughs> Why am I suffering that? I don't know. I and I hesitate to say that I'm so. I'm, I've had a I've had a really hard time with saying I'm suffering. This this thing's hard, you know, because I feel like I'm trying to get attention. I'm like, everyone, come coddle me, come come to my support, come give me a hug, because I'm suffering. Like for some reason, that's been a huge block. So I feel like now I'm starting to. <laughs> drift and ramble. I don't know if I've kept a coherent thought throughout this, but just thinking about suffering and thinking about the, what I thought an ideal life should be, what an ideal brain should be, things that have come up and sure, like someone asked me, oh, is it because of your problems with the church? Is it because your faith crisis? I was like, I wish, (laughs) I wish that was the only thing because then I could work on it. But so anyway, that that's kind of uh, I don't I don't know if that's a great response to what you said. Yeah, no, that's great. You, <laughs> I don't know if that relates to any shared, of our listeners. Or you viewers. shared your <laughs> your experience um, with mental health in the past and some self harm, and so those uh, this reality that you're in, this is you, right? You struggle. Um, you you are in a state of suffering, of confusion. Um, about who you want to be, who your ideal person is. And that, well, as we wrap up this episode, um, my fr- my good friend, I'll name him by name because he's public about his situation, but a gay member of the church in a mixed orientation marriage. And he's a visionary man. He's a member of the church and faithful in the church, but he's very much gay. 
and he has tried to, he's lived in this state of complexity most of his life where he's felt ashamed about his sexuality. Um, he's struggled so much with it. So his name is Kurt Nielsen and you can look, look him up on online. He's got some podcasts where he talks about some of his experiences, but he shared with me a vision that he had where he was, um, standing behind a hologram of himself and in between, uh, him in this hologram or on the other side of this hologram, him hologram on the other side was the savior. And this hologram of himself was praising Jesus, speaking in such beautiful ways, you know, looked like it was a perfect image of his ideal version of Kurt, of who he thought he needed to be for Jesus to love him. And the more this hologram spoke to Jesus, the more Jesus became visually upset and frustrated. <laughs> Whoa. by this, by this <laughs> okay. perfect image of Kurt. And at some point, the Savior reaches through this hologram and just grabs Kurt and says, no, I want you. I love you. <laughs> and it completely changed his wow. view of who the Savior is. He doesn't want this ideal version of us. He wants us right now the way that we are. And if we can rest in that, that view of the savior reaching through this hologram of ourselves of what we were trying to project of this perfect, you know, version of ourselves. And he's reaching through and saying, no, right now, the way that you are, you are beautiful. You are wanted, you are valued. I want you right now, <laughs> the way that you are. And that's, that's the way the savior is every day. Our ups and downs doesn't matter. He loves us in the moment, the way that we are right now. And of course he wants us to be better. You know, like we want for everybody, our own kids, those that we minister to, we want them to be better, to improve, to find more peace and joy. But it doesn't mean that we love them any less right now because of their struggling and their, their faults. We love them right now the way that they are. That's the way we should love. So anyway, that's what I'll, we'll close with. But thanks for sharing, Jake. Yeah, you bet. And thanks. Thank you for coming on. This is, uh, we're going to have another episode, follow-up episode, which we're going to film right now, but you might not see it right now. <laughs> but anyway, thanks again, Leo, for coming on. And thank you for watching. And we'll see you next time. This is a Saints Unscripted original podcast and is hosted and executive produced by me, Jacob Watson, and Saints Unscripted. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>